No more looking. I've found home. Amotao Zushi Fan Fiction Written by Anna Dream Read by God of Laundry Baskets As chief cultivator, Nawaji receives correspondences regularly, letters from sect leaders seeking his advice, requests for assistance, petitions to arbitrate, reports to keep him appraised of certain situations. Nawaji reads them all dutifully, replies to the important missives, assigns the less urgent ones to Su Jue, who has, upon returning to cloud recesses, grown even more dependable and self-assured about his place in the world, and files the rest away in the archives. As Hong Kong Jun of Gusu Lan sect, Lan Ji receives papers regularly from his disciples, class essays on music theory and the history of cultivation, after action reports detailing any night hunts they went on. He skims these and hands most of them over to Jing Yi. Jing Yi is still noiser and more rambunctious than the average Lan, but he is diligent and has a sharp eye for details and will make an excellent instructor with a little more training. It helps that he also likes hearing the sound of his own voice. Jing Yi's lectures tend to be dramatic. As Lan Zhang, Lan Waji rarely receives anything. So, when a letter arrives simply addressed to Lan Zhang one morning, it's immediately brought to his attention. A nervous, new junior disciple stands in front of him, odd to be in the presence of the illustrious Hong Kong Jun, and holds up a languidly waving paper man. It says for, um, Hong Kong Jun's eyes only she says in a rush. It does not, but Lan Ji does not correct her. The paperman's activation sigil ends with the warning that its contents are for Lan Zhan's eyes only, but Lan Ji does not blame the junior disciple for not being able to say his name. He lifts his hand, and the paperman flutters over to land confidently on his palm. It blows him a kiss. The junior disciple squeaks at the sight, then lays down and unfurls into a letter. You may return to class, Lan Waji dismisses, tucking the letter inside his robes, next to his heart, so he can feel the dissipating warmth of spiritual energy from the paper. The junior disciple bows and leaves as quickly as she's able to, without breaking any rules. Lan Waji spends the rest of the day going about his duties and does not think about the letter again until he retires to the Jingxi that night. Then, finally, he settles at his desk and takes the letter out. Wei Ying's writing has not improved since his student days at cloud recesses. Lan Waji is amused to see. Wei Ying has always been meticulous and neat with his talismans and sigils and arrays, but his characters are still slanted and smudged like he can't write fast enough to keep up with his thoughts. As promised, I am writing you to let you know that I'm doing well. It's been two weeks since we parted, and I haven't been cursed or stabbed or anything. 
aren't you proud of me? I jest, but I swear, I'm being careful. It was a little strange at first, being on my own. No Zhang Zhang, no Wen Ning, no you. The last time I was truly alone, that's a time I don't really like to think about. Before that, it was right after my parents died, so both times are terrible. This time, it's not so bad. Maybe third time's the charm. This isn't to say that I want to be on my own forever. I'm enjoying the freedom to do whatever I want, but I find myself looking for you in the quiet spaces. I miss traveling with you. I'm eating well. I stopped by to visit Mian Mian, and she let me stay for dinner. Her husband is an excellent cook. Little Mian Mian is just the cutest. She wants to be a cultivator one day, and I told her she could study at Cloud Recesses when she's older. You'll make sure there's a seat available for her, won't you? Uh, speaking of cultivation, I'm getting stronger. My paper man can last longer and travel further now, which you already know because you're reading this letter. I'm sure I'll be able to form a golden core any day now. Be well, Lanjean. You're busy being chief cultivator, but you must take care of yourself since I'm not around to take care of you right now. Tell Ayuan and Jing Yi I said hello. And pass along my greetings to your brother, if you think he will accept them. I hear he's still in seclusion, and I understand why. But there are still good things in this world, and I hope Ze Wu Jun will be able to experience them again. Respectfully yours, Wei Ying. As a rule, La Chun does not accept visitors during seclusion. There are only two exceptions his uncle, and his brother. His uncle visits only occasionally, and only stays at the Hanshi briefly when he comes. They don't speak during these visits. Mashichin pours his uncle tea. They each drink a cup, and then his uncle leaves. Maji visits once a week, and they meditate. Wanji plays a gu jin for him. Chun has not been able to bring himself to touch any instrument since the events at Yunping City. But he misses music, and he appreciates that Ji does not let him go too long without hearing some. His brother accepts his seclusion, in the same breath as he rejects it. Ji doesn't expect him to speak, doesn't even expect him to meditate or to listen to music but he adamantly subjects Lan Xichun to his presence every week, as if to say, You are my brother, and I will continue to care for you. Obstinate, persistent Lan Xi. Lan Xichun will not ask him to stop. During this week's visit, Lan Xi sets down his gu jin as usual, but something is different. His expression seems lighter, somehow a little less careworn. Being chief cultivator has not been easy for Wan Ji. His brother takes the role seriously and doesn't shy away from its demands, but Lan Xichen knows if given the choice, Wan Ji would gladly return to a simpler life of teaching and night hunting. So, for something to raise his spirits... Lan Xichen can't help reaching out to the Gu Jin and plucking out a short question. Maji glances up at him, eyes wide. Then he breathes out a pleased sigh and says, Wei Ying wrote.
He wishes you well. Ah. Ma Shichen should have known. He looks down, the faintest of smiles softening his face as Wang Ji begins to play. Letters from Wei Ying continue to arrive at random intervals. Mostly, they come as papermen, strutting directly into the Jingxi to await Ma Ji's attention. Ma Ji has long since adjusted the wards around cloud recesses to allow Wei Ying's papermen through. Sometimes they arrive by bird, and the birds always squawk, For Lan Jian's eyes only, as they deliver their letters, to the delight of any nearby disciples, and the ire of Lan Ji Ren. Most of the letters are very short. Wei Ying had promised to write, so he does. That doesn't make him good at it. Lan Ji is treated to bits and pieces of Wei Ying's life on the road, and the sketches of scenery, and then... Lan I'm broke, and it's all your fault! I spent too much money around you and your bottomless purse, and now I'm careless with money. Currently, I'm staying at the Unclean Realm. After everything that's happened, I figured Ne Chong owes me at least a week or two of room and board. It feels a little strange to call him Ne Chong, but even stranger to call him sect leader Ne, so Ne Chong it is. Ne Chong has caught me up on a lot of things I've missed while I've been dead. Most people call him Mr. Know-Nothing, but really, he knows everything, and he's become more cunning. Be a little careful of him, Lan I like him well enough, but I would not completely trust him. The food here is... let's just say it's not quite to my taste. The kitchens at Cloud Recesses seem to want food to taste like air, but the kitchens here want their dishes to be weapons of war. I know, who am I to talk when I eat spicy, hot everything? But hear me out. Every dish is salted and pickled and meat upon meat upon meat. So much so that I've actually begun missing fresh vegetables. I'd even eat a radish if someone gave me one right now. And radishes are disgusting. But I'm hungry, so I eat what I'm given. I think I'd enjoy the food more if you were here. I miss sharing meals with you, even though you always remind me not to talk while eating. I've actually gotten better about that, probably because it's not worth doing without you around to scold me. I almost forgot to mention, Ne Chong had received a report about a hungry ghost, which I took care of for him. It wasn't very difficult, but it took more energy than I thought it would, which is why I'm hungry. Not because I'm broken, starving. Stop worrying. Seriously. Anyway, a few more days and I'm off. Ne Chong has given me a small purse. I think on some level he still feels a little guilty. I find I'm alright with that. When I run out of money again, I'll start selling paper charms or something. Turns out there's still a market for talismans by the great Yi Ling Patriarch. I'll definitely be a lot easier to sell than radishes. Give my best to everyone. Take care of yourself. Respectfully yours, Wei Ying. P.S. Don't try to send me any money here. By the time this letter reaches you, I'll have left already.
Jingyi is just about to start his lecture on the history of the Gu Su Lan sect. The founding is an entirely romantic and action-packed tale that is way better when he tells it in his humble opinion. When Hong Kong Jun steps into the classroom, the seated disciples quickly scramble to their feet and bow in greeting. Hong Kong Jun? He nods back, then looks over at Jing Yi. Assignment for the class. Jing Yi smiles, shoving his lesson plan away. Lectures are great and all, but night hunts are way better. Purchase 100 paper charms from each of the five districts. Hong Gong Jun looks the tiniest bit amused as he says this. Begin in Xinke. Jing Yi, being Jing Yi, frowns. This sounds more like an errand than a night hunt. And if Hong Gong Jun wants paper charms, why can't he just draw some up himself? Or have the students draw them up? From the way the younger disciples are staring at him, because they wouldn't dare stare at Hong Gong Jun, they're wondering the same thing. But Hong Gong Jun has already left the classroom, off to do chief cultivatory things. Jing Yi sighs. If 100 paper charms from each of the five districts is what Hong Gong Jun wants, that's what he will get. All right, we'll split up into teams and take notes on the paper charms you buy. Jing Yi blithely makes up a lesson as he goes along. No need to waste an opportunity, after all. The kids should earn their outing. You'll turn an essay after on the inconsistencies you find in lettering, the regional differences in the paper used, and if anything affects the strength of the charm as well as the most popular types of charms in each district and your analysis on why they're popular. The younger disciples look a little resigned at the thought of another essay, but Jing Yi is pleased. Teaching is fun! Nanjian, I'm at Koi Tower, and no one has tried to stab me! What a difference a year has made! Honestly, there was a time when I thought I'd never be able to come back here. But Jin Ling has been a kind and gracious host. Wait, I take that back. Apparently I'm family now, which means he gets to bully me as much as he wants. At least he added more bells to Fairy's collar, so I can always hear her coming. I miss our rabbits. You've probably already heard from Ah Yun that we all went on a night hunt. I was originally just taking Jin Ling and Ouyang Zhu Xin out, but then they invited Ayun and Jing Yi. It was great to see them. It was great to go on a night hunt with them. I miss going on night hunts with you. Watching you at work, the way you analyze problems, the way you take action. It's really something, how competent you are. You know that's one of the reasons I wanted to be your friend in the first place. Until I met you, no one could keep up with me. You've surpassed me for now, but I'm getting stronger every day. One day you won't have to protect me anymore. Although, I wouldn't mind if you want to. You've protected these kids well, Lan As expected from Hong Kong Jun, you've helped raise a generation of good little cultivators. I'll try my best not to steer them down the wrong path. Although, now that I think about it, there isn't really a wrong path, is there? It only matters what you do while you walk it. 
In a few more days, I think I'll head south. Koi Tower isn't bad, but it's not for me. To be honest, I'd really like to visit Lotus Pier again, but I'm not sure I'll be welcomed there. You'd think Zhang Zhang would have moved on by now. He can be even more stubborn than you and me combined about some things. Respectfully yours, Wei Ying. P.S. Ah Yun says you've been looking a little tired of late. Are you getting enough rest? You really need to take care of yourself before you can take care of the world. It's nearing dinner time when the peace at cloud recesses is disturbed by an odd, whining wind. Nawa Ji immediately heads to the Mingshu, where the bells that should be silent are ringing hollowly. He finds Su Xue already there. Hong Kong Jun! Su Xue has a damp brush in one hand and a creased piece of paper in the other. He doesn't look panicked or worried, but neither does he look calm. Concerned, Nawa Ji decides. Su Xue appears concerned. It's probably not that serious, then. What's happening? I was drawing an array for Xianga, and it seems to have activated. Nanwa Ji looks down at the just-barely-dried array Su Xue has drawn on the Mingshu floor. It's complex, with numerous loops and intertwining sigils, and dozens and dozens of layers. Nanwa Ji recognizes Wei Ying's telltale brushstrokes diligently copied by Su Xue. The wind picks up slightly, making their robes flutter and prickling at their eyes. The array flashes ominously with soft red pulses of light. What's it for? Nanwa Ji asks mildly. Su Xue's smile is a shade apprehensive. Shinga didn't say. He only asked me to draw it here, then sent him a message when I was done. It was supposed to be a surprise for you. Nanwa Ji considers this. He's certain Wei Ying wouldn't ask Su Xue to do anything dangerous, anything that would put cloud recesses at risk, so he decides to wait and see. He does, however, subtly step in front of Su Xue on the off chance Wei Ying has miscalculated. Wei Ying is a genius, but he still hasn't quite formed his golden core yet. The wind builds up to a shrieking whine that makes Su Jue wince, and then there is a sharp cracking sound. The array stops flashing and fades into smoke, and in its space it had been occupying there is a tiny plate of cakes shaped like lotus blossoms. Object teleportation? Su Jue ventures, looking suitably impressed. I didn't think that was impossible. Wei Ying has always attempted the impossible. Nanwa Ji picks up the plate. There is a letter attached to its underside, which he slides into the fold of his robes. The cakes are still smoking slightly, and Su Jue looks at them with curiosity. Do you think they're safe to eat? Does Nanwa Ji trust Wei Ying? Nanwa Ji selects one of the cakes in response and brings it to his mouth. He breathes in the rich scent of warm sugar and lotus paste and bites it down. 
It's delicious. I hope the cakes arrived safely. They're a Lotus Pier delicacy. I've tested the teleportation array around Lotus Pier. It's unfortunately noisy, and everyone hates me now. <laughs> uh, but this is the first time sending something as far as Gu Su. The array is much more stable than a talisman, and less stressful on the caster's body. But so far it can only handle inanimate objects to fix locations. I'll keep working on it. Maybe I can make it less loud, too. Yes, you read that first part correctly. I've finally done it and shown my face at Lotus Pier. Zhang Zheng didn't immediately throw me out. He even gave me a decent room to stay in. I don't think he's happy I'm here. But he's not unhappy, if that makes sense. If it weren't difficult, it wouldn't be Zhang Zheng after all. That really hasn't changed. A lot around here has, though. Last time we were here, it was night, so I wasn't able to really look around. Now, now I see that Lotus Pier can never truly be my home again. It's still beautiful, and I still love it, but it is Zhang Zheng's home. Strangely, I'm not upset about this. I've made very happy memories here with the people I have loved, but that's all they are now. Memories. And I can't build a life around memories. I've gone and made myself maudlin. I think I'll go liberate some wine from the kitchen. We don't have any emperor's smile here, but I'll make do. Enjoy the cakes, La Jean. They're my favorite, and I think they go well with that white tea you like. Maybe next time I'll send you chickens. Wei Ying. Ji has only just retired to the Jingshu with a pot of silver needle tea when a paper man arrives. It's unexpected, as it's been less than a full day since Wei Ying's last correspondence. A sliver of worry works its way through Ji as he picks up the urgently dancing paper man. He hopes nothing has happened to Wei Ying. At his touch, the paper man relaxes and unfolds. Jeanne. Last night I dreamt I was back on the mountain where we parted ways. I was playing the song you wrote, and then I heard your voice clear as day. You called my name, and I turned around, and you were there, and I was so, so happy. Then I woke up, and you weren't there. I woke up, and I... I'm happiest when I'm with you. I think I could build a life around you. I want to chase and be caught by you. I want to conquer and surrender to you. I want to tease and adore you. I want to play music with you for ten years or ten thousand years. I love you, and I love you, and I want to find out what that means together. Ji manages to read that last line twice before his vision goes a little blurry, and he has to grit his teeth against the desire to fly from cloud recesses and find Wei Ying immediately. Because Wei Ying had promised to write, but Lan Ji had promised to stay and be responsible and dutiful and patient. He has not broken this promise, but oh, how he wants to now. 
He lays the letter carefully on his desk and tries to take a deep breath to compose himself, but it doesn't work. His heart is so full in his chest. There's no room for more air. He hiccups slightly instead and traces his fingers over Wei Ying's sloppily dashed ink, wishing he can outline the shape of Wei Ying through it. He hasn't even signed this letter. Why wouldn't he? La Jean! Noaji lifts his head, and Wei Ying is there in the doorway. The image of him wavering slightly because Lan Waji still has tears in his eyes. For a second, Lan Waji wonders if this is an illusion, if this is a dream Wei Ying had conjured for him. Lan Waji blinks. Wei Ying is dusty and travel-worn, and looking at Lan Waji with such a happy light in his eyes, such a fond smile on his face, but Lan Waji is on his feet in a flash, and just in time because Wei Ying devours the remaining steps between them and throws his full weight into Lan Waji. Lan Waji catches him easily, eager hands pulling Wei Ying close. Wei Ying is laughing with delight. Lan Zhan, Lan Zhan, Lan Zhan, I meant every single word, he says his voice slightly muffled because his face is pressed into Lan Waji's neck. Lan Waji forgets how to breathe for a moment. All he can think about is how Wei Ying is here, solid in his arms, his heart beating fast against Lan Waji's own. Lan Waji wants to hold Wei Ying for ten years, for ten thousand more, and he reels with the knowledge that he'll have them. Lan Waji pulls back slightly, creating just enough space between them so he can press his lips to the top of Wei Ying's head. Wei Ying, welcome home. The End Thank you for listening.